Hi, I'm Sarah Trott, and welcome to the Fourth Trimester Podcast. I'm a new mama, and this podcast is all about postpartum care for the first few months following birth, the time period also known as the fourth trimester. My postpartum doula, Esther Gallagher, is my co-host. She's a mother, grandmother, perinatal educator, birth and postpartum care provider. Fourth trimester care, our topic, is about the practical, emotional, and social support parents and baby require. And importantly, it helps set the tone for the continuing journey of parenting. Sarah Trott, and welcome back to the Fourth Trimester Podcast. I'm joined today with a special guest, Sarah Moskoff. And before we get started and I give you an intro to Sarah, um, I just wanted to remind all of our listeners that you can go to our website, which is fourthtrimesterpodcast.com, and sign up for our newsletter. And you're also able to become a sponsor of our program. Thank you to all of our existing sponsors. Uh, You can sponsor us by going to patreon.com. So a bit about Sarah, we're just so, so pleased that you're here today with us. Um, Sarah is the CEO and co-founder of Winnie, which if you haven't downloaded that app yet as a new parent, we highly encourage you to go to the app store and download it now. It's very cool. Um, it's an app that helps parents get local information and find great places to go with their families. I was using it this morning, believe it or not, thinking about my spring break plans. So I personally can attest to its usefulness. Sarah has a background in consumer technology and product management. She's worked at Postmates, Twitter, YouTube, Google. She graduated with computer science and um, an engineering degree from MIT. And she lives with her almost two-year-old daughter, Bryn, and her husband, Eric, in San Francisco. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to just kick off with um, hearing a bit more about your background. Is there anything there I left out? That was a great overview. Thank you. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, so you have an almost two-year-old now, but I'm sure it's, I mean, it might feel like it was a while ago, but can you tell us a bit about what your experience was like with your fourth trimester? Yeah, it feels like a while ago and also like it was just yesterday. It's it's really mm-hmm. bizarre. Um, my fourth trimester was really difficult. Um, I had a, a fairly easy pregnancy uh, I got really huge, but other than that, you know, I felt good. I, I worked through my pregnancy, um, and I kind of assumed like I'd just pop this baby out and go back to work and life as usual. Um, but as anyone with a child knows, uh, they they really change everything. Um, and sort of on top of it all, I have I had what what I now recognize was postpartum depression. Um, so my fourth trimester was was a pretty dark time for me. Um, I took a healthy baby home from the hospital, but due to some weird complication, she ended up back in the NICU. Um, and while she was there, they actually let my husband and I stay at the hospital with her. Um, so we got a room there for a few nights. Uh, and I was just exhausted. Like I was constantly in there breastfeeding her. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I didn't shower. Um, and so when I got back home with her a second time, um, you know, she ended up being fine and healthy, but I was, I was not, I was just so depleted, um, which sort of doesn't help when you already have all these sort of hormonal changes going on. Um, so it was a, a pretty rough time for me. I had a lot of 
suicidal thoughts. Um, and it took me like about five or six weeks to really recognize I was in bad shape and, and needed to make some changes. When did you start to feel that I'm not feeling myself feeling? Was it during your pregnancy or can you even identify when that sort of started? No, I felt great like during my pregnancy, besides the fact that I was like huge and couldn't walk, I, mm -hmm. I mentally felt good. I was excited to have the baby. I was ready. I felt completely prepared. Um, but after I had her, it was pretty immediate. I just was like, what have I done? I'm completely unfit for this job. I've made a huge mistake. Um, I really loved her, but I just felt like I, I had done something I couldn't get myself out of. Um, and that's when I, I started feeling like the only way out was to kill myself. Wow. Uh, well, I'm just going to interject, Sarah, that that, that feeling of um, what have I done and being just being faced with the enormity of a new baby is really common. Um, and m many people hit that. I think it's really normal to hit that. And then... So long as they're being well supported in their trajectory, they just recognize, okay, of course, of course, it is a big thing to have a new baby in your arms and all of that responsibility. But when you add the strain and, um, you know, malnutrition and sleeplessness on top of that, you know, that was a setup. I, I, I mean, I hate to say so, but clearly anybody who had to go back to the hospital, spend three nights breastfeeding without food and sleep, would be in pretty terrible shape at that point. The kind of terrible shape that's so erosive to the body that it erodes the mind. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really want to say how sorry I am that that was your experience and that your experience led to feeling pretty mentally, emotionally, um, Terrible. I'm very yeah. sorry to hear that for you. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm I'm very much on the other side now and, and really, really grateful that, you know, I was able to, to you know, get help and, and figure out ways to, to make myself feel better. I was I was mm -hmm. able to get the sleep that I needed, the mm -hmm. nutrition that I needed. Um, and at the time, I didn't feel like it was possible to, to come out on the other side. Um, and so, you know, it's really important that, you know, women that are, are going through this now really understand that, you know, you will feel better and you will feel even better than you did before you had your child. Um, and you'll be so grateful that you sort of stuck through it. Um, but, but it's hard to believe that in the moment. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's challenging. How were you, how were you aware of the depression? Like, did, did someone say, say something to you? Like, oh, you're not looking like yourself or acting like yourself. Or did you internally know? Like, how long did it take you to have that realization? Yeah. So my mom was with me after I had my daughter and she was like, Sarah, you, you are really messed up. You need to get help. Um, and I kept telling her I was fine. I was fine. Um, but I, I knew in the back of my mind, I was not okay. Um, ultimately I, I went for my postpartum checkup. I think it was like five or six weeks after I had my daughter. Um, and they give you a test, uh, like just a, a written exam where they ask you a bunch of questions. And I like 
completely failed that test. I was on like the, my, my uh, OBGYN was like, you are severely depressed. Uh, this yeah. isn't like a borderline case. Um, it's a social emotional assessment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Calling it a test sounds a little daunting, doesn't it? I, I think everything is a test. And, and yes. I was like, wait, I didn't get straight A's on this. I didn't pass yeah. this. Um, yeah. So there were, there was, that was sort of a wake up call for me. Um, and I, I made some changes. I stopped breastfeeding, which for me was just incredibly difficult and was really uh, just a, a huge cause of me staying in the house all day. Um, and I think one of the big things that I did that really helped me was just getting out of the house. So both with my daughter and without my daughter, you know, even just walks to like the local park, you know, she was too little for the playground or anything like that, but I would just show her the trees. Uh, and it was just really helpful to, to have somewhere to go, something to do. Um, it's, it's part of the reason I started Winnie, um, was because it was so hard for me to, to get out of the house and feel comfortable going out of the house with my daughter. Uh, I wanted to make that easier for other parents. Mm-hmm. I always, um, you know, I always hope that these sorts of um, networkings that parents do take them to the baby and mom friendly eateries in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> because of course you need fresh air, sunshine and food. <laughs> yeah. So, Yeah. What did your support circle look like for you when you first had your baby? Um, it was mostly my husband, my mom, you know, a lot of my friends at the time didn't have children. Like, I mean, they still don't have kids or some of them are actually starting to now. Uh, so I was sort of one of the first in my group of friends. Um, now I have more mom friends, but I, I've made them since becoming a mom. I didn't have them in the beginning. Um, and it's funny, one of the like women I just sort of like latched onto, um, is this woman, Ann Halsell, who's now my co-founder at Winnie, um, because she had two kids and I worked with her at Postmates, um, and I sort of was asking her all these questions and all these things I needed to know that she was able to tell me. Um, and, you know, part of our discussions were around, like, it's so hard to get information about places from the lens of being a parent. Um, you know, where where is there a changing table or where can I fit a stroller? Um, but really so many questions uh, you really want to talk to other local parents who have been through it. Like, how do you find a nanny? Um, that we realized there was just like a huge opportunity uh, for for technology to help solve these problems and and bring people together who are parents and live near each other. Mm-hmm. So you had friends and family, and then you created an app as part of your social support group. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, that's amazing. Um, did you have... Um, for your birth, and you don't have to answer this yeah. because it's too personal, but like for your birth, did you have um, like a home birth, a hospital birth? Who was who attended your birth? Who was part of that support? What did that look like? Yeah, my birth was actually one of my favorite things. Like I'm looking forward. I, I don't know if I'll have another child, uh, but if I do, like that's the part I'm looking forward to most, just that hospital stay <laughs> before the baby's born. Um, so I actually, I was I was huge during my pregnancy. 
Um, and they thought the baby was really huge too. I gained over 70 pounds. Um, and I'm a really small person. I'm five, two. Um, so they were pretty concerned when my, when my daughter was like late, um, and wanted to induce me and I was all for it because I had gotten so big, I could barely walk. Um, so I got induced, which made the whole experience just really chill. Cause I, you know, got to pack all my bags and go to the hospital at my leisure. Uh, I took photos before I actually had friends who like tried to visit me as I was sitting there being induced and I kicked them out of the room. But, uh, that's how like relaxed I was. I was tweeting. Um, (laughs) and then, uh, I, I slept that night, (laughs) woke up the next day and, uh, they were like, Oh yeah, you're going to have the baby. Um, I, I was like, not going to have an epidural because I kind of wanted to be, you know, do it all myself and, and see if I could do it all naturally. Uh, but then they like, were like, if you don't have it now, you may never get the chance again. And I was like, Oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, so I, I got an epidural and I felt like no pain the whole process. I just popped the baby out. It was really easy. Um, so I think I'll definitely do it that way again because, like, everyone describes their birth as some, like, horrifying thing. And I don't even remember an ounce of pain. I was just sort of relaxed the whole time. Um, it's fascinating hearing the different experiences people have. It's so different for every person because every baby is so different. Yeah. Every person's body and their mental state and their expectations are all so different. But, um, and their environments. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and did you have any kind of like, uh, help, like in terms of doula or postpartum doula? I had my mom, uh, and my dad who my dad wasn't very helpful. Uh, I don't think he's ever like changed a baby's diaper in his life, uh, despite his insistence that he was very hands-on dad. (laughs) Uh, but my mom was super helpful. Uh, and, and she was here, uh, for a couple months after I, I gave birth. Um, and then once I got like pretty deep in my exhaustion, uh, and depression, I hired a night nanny, um, to stay with a baby at night, which, you know, I know most people can't afford that for me. I think it's like one of the things that saved my life. Um, it was, it was pretty huge for allowing me to sleep. Um, if I ever have another child, I will have that person from day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it fascinating that other cultures around the world have a lot of systems and traditions uh, built up to protect new mothers in a way that just we in America really don't have. We don't have um, like a lot of the traditions about um, around food and making sure mothers are fed or around rest and making sure mothers aren't the ones who are also doing the entertaining and the housework and the looking after the other kids. And the, I mean... It's just, I mean, it bewilders me the more and more I learn about this world and this topic that uh, our system really sets moms up for failure. Yeah. That that it's just like you have your baby in whatever setting you want, you know, home birth or hospital or whatever, but but really it's all about the birth. And then after that, okay, bye, you know, mom's on her own at home. And I mean, it sounds like you had a really fantastic, um, you know, group of people around you to help support you and and do some of that practical stuff with you and give you some of the emotional care you needed. So I'm 
very happy. Yeah. I mean, for someone like me who had all the, you know, resources at her disposal, like I had my own mother, I had money if I needed it that I could spend to hire help. Like I still was so completely lost and didn't have enough support um, that it's just, you know, that that's what gets me into work every day working on Winnie because I realized that there's just so much that parents need really in all phases of life, especially in the beginning. It's so hard to get the information and support that you need to be successful. Um, that I, if I can prevent, you know, just one person from going through what I went through, uh, I consider that a win. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, um, helping so many moms out there, just knowing that there's uh, other people going through something similar. And for me, I guess I just what what I want to pick on a little bit is this idea that, you know, they're the people. It's almost like people don't know that they will need the support. They don't know how um, tough it's going to be emotionally or how um, just like absolutely life altering it will be to suddenly have this little person, this new human being in your life um, and what it takes logistically and emotionally and socially um, and all of these things. It's like, you know, if you're lucky, your husband gets some time off work. Right. But um, it almost seems like people and just somebody who don't have any idea. Right. Right. Like, how are they going to support you if they have no idea what that looks like? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just I don't understand why there isn't, I don't know, more education around what what it might be like. I find that kind of fascinating. So all the classes I went to, I mean, did you, I personally, when I, so my baby's a year and a half, uh, nearly. And I remember the classes I took were all about, um, at the hospital, for example, were all about like how to breastfeed, how to birth, how to, um, take care of a baby. But no one really, no one really sat me down and said, okay, you might want to think about X, Y, or Z until Esther came over to my house. (laughs) <laughs> and as my postpartum doula to be and asked, what will it look like for you when you're, you know, thinking about making meals for yourself every day or, or who's going to look after your house? Or, I mean, I think you asked me a series of questions that were just very simple and practical, but not, nothing that I'd thought about or considered. Um, and that was my first exposure to it. And, it, and I just feel like it was luck you know, that I invited you into my home and and had that conversation with you. Well, I always have that conversation with anybody who is hiring, you know, looking to hire a birth doula, um, but hasn't thought about the fact that they'll be soon postpartum. Uh So I always have that conversation and um, it is, it is surprising that you know, unless somebody walks into your home <laughs> with that on the agenda that you might never, ever hear about what the challenges might be like and how to prepare for them. Mm-hmm. You know, what might need to be adjusted in order for you to get through without potential devastation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not to say that if you had everything perfectly in pra- place, and were lucky enough to be well-fed and nourished that you would not experience postpartum depression. I just want to make that clear. Um, I do think that uh, the degree and the statistics to which women do suffer depression and the statistics around how many women 
suffer depression, I do feel like it's preventable to a large degree. And so um, that's why I do the work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sarah, you were saying that you were one of the first of your friends to have kids. Yes. Yeah. So what did, what did that look like in terms of your kind of friends being able to support you? Yeah. I mean, it's, they, they weren't like, I mean, even now, like it's, I have to, you know, turn down a lot of events and, and things because I, I just can't run out of the house at a whim the way I used to be able to. Um, or, you know, I ask them if we can get together like after 8 PM when I put my daughter to bed, cause then it's, I can leave my husband without feeling too bad that I'm putting all this stress on him. Um, so I think it's just, it's, it's really tough, uh, to relate to people without young children when you are in the thick of it. Um, and, you know, some friends you kind of lose touch with because you're just at a very different life stage. Um, but you also make new friends and meet people who are in a similar life stage. Um, and I think that's, that's true of probably every, every life transition, but, but most so of becoming a parent. Mm -hmm. What are some of the observations you've made about, um, parents who are becoming parents now sort of this generation of parents yeah so i think millennial parents um which is my generation um are sort of like the first that are really demanding technology to solve their problems uh because they're used to growing up with technology uh so you know we have an app for everything like i can order a burrito and have it delivered in five minutes um, and that's what was really sort of surprising and frustrating to me about the process of becoming a parent was there were so many problems I had as a parent that were not solved by technology. And it was kind of crazy to think that like this, you know, Silicon Valley is, has taken every opportunity and even things that aren't opportunities and tried to seize them. But then when it came to this whole world of parenting, nothing was was being worked on. Um, and I think that's because of the profile of people who, who start technology companies. Um, but I'm hopeful now that that's starting to change and people are seeing that there's a huge market in, in parents and especially millennial parents. Um, and I think now will be the time when there will be a big technology brand, uh, that takes on parenting. Um, I'm hoping Winnie is, is part of that movement, um, but it's definitely, you know, something that I've, I've noticed, uh, that, you know, despite there being technology for everything else, there just doesn't seem to be technology solutions when it comes to parenting. Mm -hmm. um, well, um, I'm curious because I'm old, um, but I, but also I would say I'm old and I've been doing this work for a very, very, very long time. And to me, a podcast is techie, you know, <laughs> just sitting here at a microphone and, and using voice to relate to each other and talk about a subject we care about. Um, and I'm, I'm curious how 
technology is going to create solutions for parents because at root, I think, I believe, actually, it's not a thought, it's a belief um, that we need appropriate support and from actual people who actually can wisely observe and nourish us during a major transition. Um, and so I'm so so I'm very curious what your ideas are about what the things are that technology needs to be solving for and how it could possibly do that. Yeah, so I think, you know, some things are not going to be solved by technology. Like I I need a physical human to care for my daughter uh and and that's that's like a human problem. Like I'm not going to have an app yeah. that that watches my daughter while I'm at work. Um, but when it comes to information and data, I think that's something that's really uh, perfect for technology. So, you know, there there's so much information that parents need that's that's offline. Like the story times at my local library are literally written on a piece of paper and posted on their bulletin board. Um, mm-hmm. And when they have special events, that's where they're posted, too. And fortunately, my nanny goes there every day. So she writes down for me, you know, when they're having like baby yoga at the library um, so that, you know, she can take my daughter or I can take my daughter. Um, But like, you know, that that's not a a scalable solution. You have to either have a nanny that does that for you or you have to do it yourself. And most parents don't have the resources to do that. So they don't know about the free baby yoga class at the library or they don't know you know, about all these great free resources available to them. Um, They don't know about all the cool playgrounds they can go to, um, what preschool to send their child, all the home-based daycares, and which ones are licensed and unlicensed. Um, You know, some of this has, like, really severe consequences because you, you send your child to a daycare that's not licensed that you found on Craigslist, and, you know, they end up doing horrible things or not treating your child right. Um, And this information actually exists. It's just not in a place that's searchable, accessible, personalized, and easy to find. So that's, that's one of the big things we're trying to do with Winnie is take all of this desperate information that, you know, may be somewhere, it may be on the bulletin board on a piece of paper or in a licensing database about a daycare that it got 50 complaints um, and we want to make that information really accessible to parents so they can quickly search for the, that daycare and, and find out if it's licensed, what other parents think about it, um, mm. what are the great playgrounds to go to, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff about local places um, that if they just had that information at their fingertips, they'd have more time to spend with their children, more time to spend at their job. Um, and they wouldn't have to just spend all this time, like just to find my daughter a nanny was literally a year long search effort for me uh, that like, you know, it doesn't have to be that hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the modern world that we live in today, which necessitates kind of the aggregation of all of this, just like... <laughs> fragmented data that lives on pieces of paper and library walls um, <laughs> is 
what am I trying to say? I think that I what I'm trying to do is compare kind of this modern experience that we have as parents, especially as parents living in a big city, to um, what life might have been like in a village. I was thinking about this the other day because I, I went to visit my, um, my mom and her mom. So it was like four generations of like great grandma, grandma, mom, and great grandbaby. And it was really sweet as an experience. And I just thought I really, I would like to have that in my life every day. And if we lived in the same place, I could have that. And and my my nanny solution would be partially taken care of because my mom would be around um, to kind of help here and there. And, and other women her age who I'm related to could help. And, um, you know, my circle, my network in my life would be much simpler and smaller. And to anyone who has that village experience life and they're happy with it, um, amazing. <laughs> um, but I know certainly for me, that hasn't been my experience. And I mean, what you're speaking to, Sarah, is kind of this, this city existence where um, we don't have that village. So it, it's almost like this tool or the technology solution is sort of filling in the gap for that village, you know, for all the things that maybe would have would have happened more naturally in a different kind of setup. Yeah, but like, frankly, it's also filling in the gap for the, f- the fact that women, for the most part, used to stay home and take care of children. And, and that was it. Um, and that's changing. Like, there are way more households where both parents work or, you know, parents work part time or have other things going on in their lives. Um, and, you know, they frankly don't have as much time to just sit there and figure all this stuff out. Like my mom was a stay at home mom. And she, she did all the same stuff. Like she had to figure a lot of stuff out of herself too. Um, but she that's that was her job. Uh, parenting is a job. And for me, like it, it's my job too. But I also have other stuff going on. Um, and I think that's the case for women more and more. And we're taking this like hidden labor of women that has existed forever since the beginning of time. Um, and we're trying to, to kind of say like, this is real work. <laughs> like just because it hasn't been recognized as real work doesn't mean women weren't doing it and finding out this information. Um, they, they, they were doing it. They still are doing it, but now they also have to do all these other things. So let's make it easier um, let's also bring men into the fold. Uh, let's like take this stuff that, you know, can only be found in these like mother's groups that are very exclusive and make this information available to men too. So they can help with some of this research and, and figuring out what to do and places to go. Mm-hmm. Right. There are stay at home dads in some cases or yeah, two parents who are working. Absolutely. And who suffers, do you think, when when that you have two parents who are working and someone doesn't have time to be that that stay at home parent and figure this out? I mean, my my husband may disagree, but I think the women take on the burden, you know, in ninety percent of the cases. Uh, a lot of a lot of men think they're they're taking on the burden, but really, it's uh, in a lot of cases falling on the woman. You know, even when they have a high powered career and they're working, you know, we, we hear from women like over and over again, that they still have this burden to figure out what to do with their kids, to get them into preschool. Um, that sort of all this sort of like mental overhead, um, that, that seems to still fall to the woman. 
Mm-hmm. And that's like a huge generalization. There are tons of hands-on dads now. We actually see a lot of dads using Winnie. Um, and we surveyed them and they said, you know, this is the first time they felt like there was a product for them that wasn't branded like mommy this or mom that. Um, and so they're super excited. And I think like, you know, that's that's going to be more and more the case. These millennial dads uh, are really stepping up to the plate and like, let's make it possible for them to do so. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting that women are doing the work of making it possible? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I don't, I hate to sound bitter or crit- critical. However, um, I don't think it is women's jobs to have, to, to make sure that parenting goes well for men. I think it's men's job to be parents. So I will just say that out loud as a single mother. <laughs> um, and also just say that it is well documented that women are carrying in, you know, the, the vast majority of family systems, family situations, women are carrying the entire burden of parenting, whether or not they work outside the home. It's just a thing. This is yeah. America. I, um, so. my husband, uh, had cancer, Actually, it was around last year this time that he was diagnosed. Uh, and so, you know, he was extremely sick and in treatment for six months. Um, and so I got sort of a taste of what it was like as a single mother. Um, and it's really, really hard. And there are so many single parents out there. Um, and so, like, any sort of savings you can get them, uh, they will take in terms of saving, you know, parents are time poor. Um, so the, the information, the more information you can bring to them at their fingertips, uh, and save them time, the better. Sorry to hear about your husband and I hope recovery is going. Yeah, he's doing well now. Uh, he's, he's in remission and, and and healthy. Um, but it was, it was, it was pretty rough, uh, to have a young child and a really sick spouse, um, because I was, I had to be the parent of both of them. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, I was in survival mode, not to mention I was also running Winnie. Absolutely. That sounds so tough. And did you, um, did you ever have any moments where you felt like maybe some of that anxiety or depression feelings were coming back? No, you know, it actually was, I felt mentally like it, Real, like when you're, I was in like a sort of a fight or flight response. Um, and so it was sort of the opposite of how I felt when I was in my like depression phase. I, I felt completely like I needed to fix this. Uh, I was in charge of everything. Like I had to be extremely strong. Um, it was amazing for losing those 70 pounds I gained uh, that I, I didn't lose after my pregnancy. I immediately lost them uh, when my husband was diagnosed with cancer because I stopped eating. I was just like so uh, busy in survival mode. And, and actually, it's not. it wasn't until recently that I've sort of been able to catch my breath. Um, but no, it was sort of like the opposite of, of uh, depression. It was like this hyper- state of, you know, needing to be this super parent and super wife. Well, it sounds like you're very compelled yeah. by this situation. 
Boy. But all is well now. And uh, after, after having been through all of that, um, oh, it, it's all great. And, you know, it really makes you enjoy the moments a lot more now. And I just can't imagine, I, I actually can't imagine going through my husband's cancer without my daughter, uh, because she was really like the grounding force and kept us both strong and fighting the whole time. And so, you know, she, she's amazing and so happy to have her in my life. And uh, it's it's just like the feelings I have now towards being a mom are like completely different from uh, when I first had her. So it's it's amazing how that's changed. I think that's something that those of us who have been through um, depressions as mothers, or I'm sure fathers, <laughs> say we'll say again and again which is that you know just the experience of getting having the privilege to be a parent is such a gift that it's worth struggling through all that if you have to Mm-hmm. I think anyone who is listening is interested in hearing more about um, sort of anxiety issues or depression issues, postpartum, whether you just had your baby or it's been six months and you're just kind of not feeling totally yourself. Um, I would highly recommend checking out our website and looking at the the article that we wrote for Jane Honickman and listening to the Jane Honickman episode because um, she's a woman who's really been through it. Um, she gave her first baby up for adoption and, um, and it was really just because she felt the pressure to kind of do things in order. What was it? The seventies or the sixties at that time. And she just felt, I mean, people feel that pressure now too, I think to a degree, of course, but, um, I think that she really felt it and then married her, that same man and had subsequent babies and just felt so much guilt and grief over the way things had gone down and, um, didn't get help until much, much later, but, she gave a great outline of um, kind of like the steps to wellness and uh, recommends kind of helping sort of check oneself. You can ask yourself a simple list of kind of checklist type questions like, am I getting enough sleep? Am I eating enough? Do I have time for myself? Have I, I mean, as you were highlighting, Sarah, have I gone outside? Have I left my house? Yeah. <laughs> in have a while. my hair? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and then it kind of, the list kind of goes down in order. It's like, um, do I have someone who I can share things with and not be judged by that person for what I'm sharing? Do I have emotional support? Do I have practical support? Um, and just uh, things like that. I mean, really the whole list, you could summarize it as being um, different degrees or different types of self-care, things that maybe someone is overlooking if they're not quite feeling very good, right? Yeah, and her her the website that she started is postpartum international postpartum.net I think right um and it's it's a worldwide resource online for new parents yeah so yeah Sarah I don't know what that technology solution looks like the the bigger thing that you were alluding to earlier but um there's a lot of information online as well uh but it's not easy to find unless you look for it (laughs) Yep. Which I think I would, I would, words. I would add, yeah. So I would add that to the technology solution for parents puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, because it almost needs to be like part of the program. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Like when you go to the hospital and you're like signing up for your classes because you're a new mom and you're so excited. And you're like, I'm going to sign up for every class, which is what I did. Um, it just needs to be there. It needs to be part of the program. Like here, here are the resources for you. Here are the apps that will be helpful. Here are the websites that will be helpful. Or like maybe it's just one thing where it's, I don't know, some, something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell us, um, You've done all this wonderful work to create this specific uh, app. Tell us if I if I were a pregnant mom um, and I heard of your app and I downloaded it. Tell us how would I use it? Yeah. So Winnie is is like a local network for parents. So uh, you know when you open Winnie, there's a feed of other parents who live near you. Um, you can see what they're posting, which uh, we've had some expecting mothers join uh, and like just seeing we've talked to them and just seeing the feed of of questions that parents are asking sort of has opened their eyes to like the kinds of things that are probably waiting for them down the road, um, mm-hmm. which I know for me would have been super useful before I had my daughter. Um, so you can you can use our directory, which is sort of a Yelp-like directory of places where you can look up all the metadata on them and the other reviews from parents. Stuff like, can you fit a stroller into this restaurant? Can you keep it at your table or are they going to make you fold it up? Uh, <laughs> but you can also use our feed to just post general questions or thoughts or connect with other parents that live near you. Um, so we, you know, see parents posting like just funny, stupid pictures, um, but also some asking, you know, more serious questions like, I need this resource, where can I get it? Or can you recommend X? Um, And so I think, you know, our goal is like every parent, every new parent can download Winnie, um, can get a glimpse into the kinds of things they'll need to know. Um, They can also ask questions and, and for folks like me who didn't have a lot of people to go to in the beginning, um, it would have been really helpful. Um, and they can also sort of just search for information that they, when they need specific stuff about places or local resources, um, we, we want to be the place where they find that. Excellent. And, and is it reflexive in some ways? Like do parents, are parents uh, feeding in the data themselves? Yeah. In a sense, like... Yeah, so the crowdsource component is is a huge part of Winnie. Uh, it, Winnie wouldn't really work without the parents giving us this information about places. Um, yeah. So parents write reviews of places they go with their kids. Um, I just... I, I'm opening Winnie right now. It, someone wrote a review at the top of Recess, which is like an urban... Mm-hmm. uh indoor play gym in San Francisco um and parents also kind of capture the metadata about places like is there a changing table in the bathroom which like you can't really find anywhere else besides Winnie um so we have to either get all that data ourselves or rely on parents who've been there that tell us the data excellent and um you live in San Francisco, so you know San Francisco stuff. Would this work in um, a little, say, a less urban setting? Yeah, so we so Winnie is available all over, and we've gathered data 
we've sort of done broad sweeps of data to pull in stuff that we can scrape off the internet, like, Mm -hmm. you know, local parks, we've, we've scraped a lot of that off the internet for all, all locations across the United States. Um, But Winnie gets better as more people in a community are using it. So we have our biggest community in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, So Winnie has the richest data there. Um, But we also see communities sort of all over. Um, We have people in small towns that use Winnie. Um, We have, you know, lots of users in other big cities like New York. Mm -hmm. Um, But like the more people we have in a small area that use it, the sort of richer the community is and the better the data is. Yeah. Well, great. Um, Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, This was great. Thanks for having me and letting me tell my story. And if you want to get Winnie, you can can download it from our website, winnie.com. Perfect. I I, uh, totally agree. I think everyone could give a shot at trying the app. And, um, you know, I've also found that I wish when I, I could just plug this a little bit more when I was pregnant, I wish I'd kind of done the, um, research and kind of joined the, the moms, the moms, the parents apps and forums, um, things that are local before I had the baby. Cause I went out and bought a bunch of stuff and it's like, you can get all this stuff in secondhand classifieds for like <laughs> pennies. Um, not only that, but you can start, as you said, hearing the questions, starting to make the connections, starting to think about what that, what your life looks like with new baby ahead of time, right? Like use this app or, you know, whatever resource it happens to be to kind of find your local park, find your local, um, activities and yeah, I couldn't recommend it more. So anyway, Sarah, thank you so much for being on our show. You've been a fantastic guest and we're, we're just so happy for you and your family. Thank you. Yeah. Blessings on you. Boy, you've been through the ringer and come out. That's that's always impressive. <laughs> and look at this amazing um, thing that you've brought to the world as a result. So wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, just another reminder, you can go to fourthtrimesterpodcast.com and get our newsletter or sponsor our show. And we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You can find out more about Esther Gallagher on estergallagher.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast in order to hear more from us. Thank you for listening, everyone, and I hope you'll join us next time on the fourth trimester. The theme music on this podcast was created by Sean Trott. Hear more at soundcloud.com slash Sean Trott. Special thanks to my true loves, my husband Ben, daughter Penelope, and baby girl Evelyn. Don't forget to share the fourth trimester podcast with any new and expecting parents. I'm Sarah Trott. Goodbye for now. Hello again. Bicycle man, I know you're doing all that you can. I wrote the song, simple and true. I wrote the song, I'll sing a song for you. You got your wheels, you got your gears. You ride around town without any fear You got your pedals, you got your brakes You always wear your helmet for safety's sake
Hello again, bicycle man. I know you're doing all that you can. I wrote the song, simple and true. I wrote the song, I sing a song for you. Song, I sing a song for you.